So if you're nervous, we're talking about money in church. You don't have to be nervous. I just want to set you at ease. I don't want anything from you. Uh, We do want something for you. And what we want, and if you weren't with us last week, I'll summarize it real quickly. What we want is for you to have a better life. Uh, We've all been told money doesn't lead to a better life, and money doesn't make you happy, and money actually creates more problems than anything. But I suggested last week the exact opposite. I suggested this, that money might be the solution to your problems. I should say Jesus is the solution or the answer to all of our problems, but The reason I say money might be the solution to your problems is because Jesus, when he was on this earth, he talked about, at least in what's recorded of his teachings, he talked about money more than he did heaven, hell, prayer, and faith combined. Now think about that. He talked about money and possessions more than heaven, hell, prayer, and faith combined. Why would he do that? We did that because, according to him, money is one of God's favorite tools to fix the problems inside me and inside you. And there are a lot of problems that rattle around, and we don't even realize there's a connection between money and these problems, what there is. So last week, we talked about discontent. There is a direct correlation between discontentment that you and I feel and our money. And our money can exacerbate the problem, it can make the problem worse, or it can actually make the problem better. There's such a thing as unhealthy discontent, we all know what that looks like, but there's also such a thing as healthy discontent, and the Apostle Paul taught that discontentment is a good thing if you're discontent about the right thing, that your, your money always follows your discontent. Think about that. Your money it always follows your discontent. But Paul also said you can use your money to lead your discontent, to be discontent about the right things. So if you weren't with us last week, and that's something that you'd find interesting, you can search Journey Calway in your app store and get our app, or you can uh, search it on the platforms and we're at YouTube, Roku, and um, Apple TV, all that good stuff. So you can watch that wherever you want to watch it on our website. Today I want to switch gears. I want to talk about another one of the problems that rattles around in all of our hearts. Uh, This is common for all of us. It's a problem of worry. Problem of worry. There is a connection between what you do with your money and your worry. Not just your financial worries, all your worries. Now, think for a minute about the last time you worried. You don't have to think very far, do you? It happened in the last seven days, probably. You worried about something. Some of you are sitting there now worrying about how long I'm going to talk about worry. I get it. It's 36 minutes and 16 seconds at least. Nothing nothing longer. So so you can relax on that one. I can solve that one. Here's what I want to ask you, though. Why do you worry? Why do you worry? Well, let me answer it this way. You worry whenever life feels out of control for you. That's when you worry. Worry, I don't know if you ever thought of it like this, but worry is a byproduct of uncertainty. I'm uncertain about whether I'm going to have enough one day in retirement, so I worry. I'm uncertain about whether I'm ever going to meet the person that, you know, is the person I should marry, and so I worry. I'm uncertain about what I should do in terms of my career, so I worry. I'm uncertain about whether I made the right decision there, so I worry. I'm uncertain about the finances and am I going to be able to pay the bills and, you know, have I saved up enough? So I worry. I'm, anytime you're uncertain in life, you worry. Worry is a byproduct of uncertainty. You worry every time life feels out of control. That is human nature. And this is one of the things that if you were able to go back through history, you could pick any generation, you could pick any decade, you could pick any century, you could talk to anyone all the way back to the beginning of time, and one of the things we would have in common with all humans who have ever lived is we have all worried, which is why it should not surprise you that when Jesus showed up on this earth, one of the things he talked about a lot was worry, because people in the first century had worries just like ours. People in the first century, when Jesus said, hey, you ought to pray, uh, Father, you know, give us today our daily bread, that wasn't just a beautiful, metaphoric, poetic phrase for them. 
It was literally, many of them were going day to day to have enough food. So they, they had plenty of things that were uncertain in their world, which meant they worried about plenty of things too. And so Jesus would often talk about worry, but here's what's interesting. His advice on worry, I'm just going to be honest with you, his advice on worry is at best flippant and quite honestly somewhat insensitive. Many of you have heard this. If you grew up in church, you have heard some of Jesus' advice on worry, and it seems so impractical or irrelevant to you, you have ignored it. You heard it, you thought, well, that's nice, but that's the ideal, that's not reality. There's no way anybody can live up to that standard. There's no way anybody can do what Jesus just said about worry. And so you have dismissed it. You wouldn't say that out loud because it, it sounds a little arrogant to say Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. But, but we all internally kind of feel, no, 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 that's so irrelevant and impractical. That's, matter of fact, that's just insensitive with what's going on in my world. So we ignore this. Here's what Jesus said about worry. You've heard this before. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. And then he asked this question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? To which we all go, well, yeah, I agree with you there. I, I would answer that yes. The, life's a lot more than what I wear or what I eat. But, but those things are important. It, it matters what I eat. It matters what I drink. It matters what I wear. It matters what I drive, it matters where I live, it matters if we have enough of this, and if there's enough in retirement and the career's gotten you know, figured out, and it matters if my dreams come true and I end up enjoying and experiencing all the things I want to experience. You know, we would say yes, but that doesn't mean all that other stuff doesn't matter. But Jesus says, okay, okay, listen. All the things that seem uncertain to you, whatever it is that triggers worry in you, I'm worried, you know, because, because my kids and the choices they're making, it seems so uncertain. I'm worried because my parents and I don't know, and, you know, it's just so uncertain. Whatever feels out of control to you, whatever makes you want to worry, Jesus has simple, simple answer for you. He says, do not worry. Three simple words. Don't worry. Don't worry. To which you go, you can't, you can't command somebody not to worry. I mean, how, how do you even do that? You look in the mirror at yourself and go, self, don't worry. I mean, that doesn't help anything, does it? But this was Jesus' advice. This is why it sounds so insensitive. It sounds so impractical. It sounds like he's so out of touch. Because he says all that stuff, well, that stuff matters. That stuff's important. Jesus says, yeah, you shouldn't worry about it. And then the crowd that was listening to him, just like all of us today, are thinking, you know, pushing back on this, and he, he makes it even worse. To the crowd listening to him that day, he looked down and he said, okay, okay, you, you, you're not buying into this. So everybody look up at the sky, and they all looked up at the sky. They were outside, you know, and he said, you see those birds over there? Yeah, we see those birds. He said, guess what? Those birds, they don't worry about anything. And your heavenly Father provides everything that they need, so what's your problem? Like, you're, you're more worried than birds are. Well, yeah, but they don't understand all the stuff I understand. Or they ought to be worried. They're just not. And he says, no, they don't worry. And then he says, hey, look over here in the field. You see those flowers? You see how beautiful those flowers are? They don't worry about how they're going to look. God just takes care of it all for them. You should be more like the flowers, to which we're again going, are you kidding me? It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand everything going on in my world. And Jesus says, no, you don't understand everything going on in my world. And then Jesus said this. I'm going to read it to you, but you can read this for yourself. Jesus goes on. He says this next. He says, I want to tell you why you worry. Because you have so little faith. It's just insulting. He said, the reason you're worrying, no, no, it's not that you're smarter than the birds. That's why you worry. Or you understand more in flowers. That's why you worry. No, the reason you worry is because you have such little faith. You have put your trust in the wrong place. 
So if I were having a conversation with Jesus and I said, yeah, but let me tell you about what's going on in my family and I just don't know and I'm nervous and the health thing and this and this, Jesus would say, no, no. It's not that you need answers and then you're not going to worry or it's not that you need this to work out and then you won't worry. That's not the solution to your worry. The, the, the root of your worry is not the problem. The root of your worry is you just have a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust. It's way too small. Yeah, but what about this financial thing and the retirement and not making the money and being able to pay the bill? He said, no, no. The, the money's not actually the root of your problem. You just have so little faith and trust. You put your trust in the wrong place. Yeah, but you don't understand. Whatever scenario you give him, Jesus says, nope, you have a little faith. That's your real problem. The problem's not the problem. The problem is your little faith. You have put your trust in the wrong place. And then he offers this alternative, which quite honestly doesn't make any of us feel any better and didn't make his crowd feel any better, but he offered it anyway. Here's what he said. But seek first, you won't quit worrying? Okay, here's what you do. You seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, in other words, his values, live the way that he uh, lives, have the character that he has, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's your solution. Yeah, that's my solution. Okay, so if you grew up in church, you've heard this, and you walked away thinking, okay, so if I just seek God first, if I just have a relationship with him, then I'm supposed to not worry anymore? Well, that hasn't worked. I've got a relationship with God, or I'm exploring a relationship with God, and you know, I'm in church, I'm watching this, I'm trying to figure this out, but I still worry all the time, so it just doesn't work. To which Jesus would say, nope, you misunderstood what I said. I didn't say the way to overcome worry was to seek God. Jesus said the way to overcome worry was to seek God's kingdom. Well, what's the difference in those two things? Let me explain it this way. Seeking God is about your relationship with God. Seeking God's kingdom is about your purpose with God. Those are two very different things. Seeking God's all about your relationship with God. That's an internal thing. It's an internal thing. That's between me and God. Nobody else really sees that. That's just something that goes on internally. It is very self-focused. Again, nothing wrong with that, but it's self-focused. It's all about me and God. It's completely vertical. When you seek God's kingdom, it's about something very different. It's about figuring out how to live out God's purpose for your life. That's what it looks like to seek God's kingdom. And when you live out God's purpose for your life, now, that is not an internal thing. That's an external thing. That's not a self-focused thing. That's an others-focused thing. That's not a vertical thing, what's just between me and God. No, it's a horizontal thing between me and all the people that are around me. That's where I live out God's purpose. So Jesus says, if you want to learn not to worry, here's what you ought to do. Here's the secret. You just devote yourself to living your life for something bigger than yourself, and you will stop worrying. You devote your life to living a story bigger than your own story, and you'll learn not to worry. You seek first my kingdom or my purpose for your life. You look and see where I'm at work around you, and you devote your life and pay attention and turn your focus and time and you know, invest yourself in joining me in what I'm doing around you. You take your time, you take your talents, you take your abilities, you take your gifts, you take your personality, you take all the experiences you've had, you take all of that and you bring that to what I'm inviting you to do in this world, the contribution I'm asking you to make. Once you learn it's not about you, it is about the you beside you and the you beside you and the you beside you and the you's all around you, once you devote your life to a purpose bigger than yourself, Jesus says you'll learn in that moment not to worry. That's the secret and that's the key. And he said, I don't know if you caught this. He said, if you will do that, I will make a promise. You live from your purpose in life, and I will make a promise to you. All these other things that you need, they're going to be given to you as well. In other words, Jesus said, if you will devote your life to God and his purpose for you, 
then your heavenly Father promises to step in and make sure He provides for you everything that you need. And because of that, you don't have to worry. You see, when you devote yourself to a purpose bigger than yourself, you no longer feel the need to worry because you walk through life with confidence that God is with you. Just track with me for a second. When you get up every day and you're living your day, not that you're perfect at it, but you're living your day knowing, I am trying to invest my life in something bigger than me. I'm paying attention to where God's at work around me. I'm jumping in when he shows me something I should see. Whenever you are living your life that way, then you have absolute confidence God is with you and that he will provide and take care of whatever you need. And so suddenly, the worry dial in your life gets turned all the way down because the purpose dial has been turned all the way up. So there's a direct connection between this and worry. Now, here's the thing. The flip side is also true. When you turn up the worry dial in your life, the purpose dial always goes down. Here's why. Because worry leads your heart towards your kingdom and away from God's kingdom. Let me say that again. Worry leads your heart towards your kingdom and away from God's kingdom every single time. Now, I'll illustrate it this way. I want you to think about whatever that thing was that you've worried about in the last week. Okay? Where did that shift all of your focus and your attention? To you. You never worry about anything that doesn't turn the focus straight back to you, that doesn't lead your heart right back to your kingdom. Now, some of you are thinking, yeah, Matt, but I was worrying about them. I wasn't worrying about me. I was worrying about them and what was going on in their world. Yes, the reason you were worrying about them is because of the impact it has on you. Whatever's going on in their world has an impact on you, so you're worrying about them because it impacts you. No, 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 I really care about them. I know, but you don't worry about what's going on in everybody's world. You only worry about what's going on in the worlds of the people that matter most to you and that their lives impact yours. So I'm just telling you, worry always leads your heart away from God's kingdom, towards your kingdom. In other words, worry shifts your focus to you. When you're worrying, you can't focus on anyone but you. You never focus on the you beside you. And so worry, you know, turns up that dial of you, self-centered, self-focused, and it turns down the dial of a bigger story and a bigger purpose around you. And so if you don't learn how not to worry, you'll never be able to navigate your way through life living for something bigger than yourself. You're constantly going to get distracted. You're constantly going to get pulled back because worry, in essence, this is what it does. Worry enslaves you to your own kingdom. There's no way around it. Every time you worry, it's like, slapping handcuffs on you, and you are handcuffed to your own selfish, self-centered kingdom. It enslaves you to your own kingdom. The only way to take the focus off of you is to learn not to worry. And if you can learn not to worry, you can keep your focus on the you beside you. So, that brings up a question. One, Well, how in the world do you stop worrying? Because, again, you can't look in the mirror and just command yourself. Self, don't worry anymore. Have you ever tried to do that? Have you ever been worrying? You say, okay, i got to stop worrying. i got to stop worrying. No, just by trying to convince yourself not to worry, you're still focusing on the worry. It just makes it worse, doesn't it? You can't command yourself not to worry. You can't try harder not to worry. That doesn't work. You can try as much as you want to try. It doesn't get you out of this cycle. You're still going to worry. 
So what is the path or what is the principle or what is the tool or what is the practice that helps us actually do what Jesus said? Well, you could say, well, okay, I guess it's to seek God's kingdom and to seek his purpose. Yeah, but as you're living out your purpose, every time you start to worry, it distracts you from your purpose. So is there a way to keep that distraction from happening? And the answer is yes. And the, the secret is actually found in the very first word of the very first statement that I read you just a minute ago. If we go back to it, the very first thing that Jesus said was, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Now, just in case you're ever reading the Bible on your own, this is something important to know. Whenever you see the word therefore, it is there for a reason. Therefore means what I am about to tell you is directly linked to what I just told you before. So if you want to know how to do what I'm about to tell you, you have to do what I just told you before. And I didn't tell you the whole story. Jesus didn't start the teaching right here with, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. He had actually said something just before this that when we read it as Christians throughout the years in churches, we've never connected these two ideas. We just think, well, Jesus was talking about this, and then there was a break, and now he's talking about a totally different subject. Jesus says, nope. I just taught you something, and based on what I just taught you, therefore, you do not have to worry. If you will do what I just told you to do, therefore, do not worry becomes really easy for you. So what was it that Jesus had just told them that is the key to learning not to worry? Well, this is where your money might just be the solution to your worry problem. Here's what he had said literally just seconds before. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin, I love that word, in West Kentucky we would say critters, that's a much better translation, isn't it? Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Let me just hit pause and explain this for a second. Jesus is not anti-money or anti-possessions, you're going to see that in just a moment, but let me give you a definition of a couple of terms. What does he mean when he says treasures on earth? A treasure on earth is anything that will not last forever. A treasure on earth is anything that will wear out, break down, disappear, or you're going to leave behind one day. Okay? So that pretty much encompasses all of our money and possessions. And Jesus says, you should not. You want to not worry? Okay, well, here's what you got to do. Step one, do not store up for yourselves a bunch of things that are not going to last forever. It doesn't mean you can't have things. He's saying, don't let those things have you. Do not build your life or center your life around things that are that uncertain. They're so uncertain, somebody could come in and steal it and it's gone. Or they're so uncertain, they're just going to wear out or break down or disappear or be left behind one day. Instead, he says, why don't you build your life or center your life around storing up treasure in heaven? What is treasure in heaven? Treasure in heaven is simply anything that will last forever. Now, what's going to last forever? Well, two things. People last forever. And God's purpose for your life lasts forever. We're starting to see a connection here, aren't we? Jesus says, so listen, it's not about what you have or don't have. It's about what has you. So God's not anti you owning things. God's anti things owning you. And you're about to see why. It's because when things own you, it exacerbates or it dials up the worry in your life. So he says, why don't you start building your life around things you cannot lose? Why don't you start building your life around something that's going to last forever? Why don't you build your life around investing in people and investing in my purpose for your life? Those are the two things that are going to go on forever. Those are the two things that you can never lose. Well, how do I store up treasure in heaven? How do I invest my life in people and my purpose in life? Well, Jesus goes on to tell us with what, it's, this is one of my 
favorite statements in all of Scripture. I just think this is so extraordinary. It is so wise. It is so powerful. The principle behind this next statement, literally, if you ever actually get it and own it and understand it, it will change your life and the way you view everything in life. Here's what he says next. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to invest in things that are going to last forever. You want to learn how to build your life or center your life, Jesus says, around me and around my purpose for your life and around the people that matter so much to me. Here's what you do. You remember where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, you come to understand that where your money goes, your heart always follows. Where your money goes, your heart always follows. Which means you have complete control, Jesus says, over what you care about in life. You have complete control over what you are passionate about, and you have complete control over what you build or center your life around. You get to choose, because wherever you put your money, your heart follows. Wherever you put your money, your heart goes. And Jesus' point is simply this. You should not live your life letting your heart lead you. You should lead your heart. If you want to learn not to worry, if you want to invest your life in something that's going to live beyond yourself, then do not let your heart lead you. You learn to lead your heart. And the way you learn to lead your heart is with how you manage your money. Money is that powerful. Money's like the horse. Money's like the thoroughbred. You don't break that thoroughbred. You don't control that, control that thoroughbred. That horse will take you wherever it wants to go, and you have no control. It's that powerful. But if you will rein it in, then you can lead it instead of it leading you. This is how money is. It's not a bad thing. It's not a neutral thing, but it's a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful thing. And if you will learn to rein in and lead your money, then you will learn how to lead your heart. And you will learn how to care about the things that matter most. And you will learn how to store up treasure in heaven in Jesus' terminology or invest your life in people and his purpose and the things that are going to last forever. Which means you will learn how to keep yourself free from the distraction of worry. Because the more you invest in God and his purpose for your life, the more confidence you have that God is with you. And the less you feel the need to worry about. The bigger your faith gets and the less you have a little faith because you have put your trust in the wrong place. And then Jesus ends with this comparison. Here's what he says. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. None of us would say, well, I serve money. But Jesus' point is this. If you allow money to lead you, if you don't rein your money in and tell your money where to go and lead your heart with it, then you're going to end up serving money because it's that powerful. You can't do both. These are competing interests. These are competing interests. One is very certain. One is always uncertain. One leads to incredible peace, which brings happiness. One leads to worry. Because anything that's uncertain is something that you can lose, and anything you can lose you will worry about if you value it most. If you build your life on something that you can lose, on something that's uncertain, you will always have a reason to worry. And Jesus' point was simply this. Remember, he tied these two things together. Right after this statement, he said, Therefore, based on what I've just told you, don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. Why would he do that? Because he knew that the way you manage your money is an indicator 
of which side you've chosen. The way you manage your money is an indicator of the kind of faith and trust you have. The way you manage your money is an indicator of whether the dial of worry is going to get turned up and purpose going to get turned down or the vice versa in your life. That's how powerful. That's how powerful your money is. So, Jesus comes along and he says, you got to store up treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth. Now, how, what does that mean? Well, he talked about this in a lot of places, and I'm just going to summarize it for you. What Jesus taught was this. You need to make generosity the top priority in your life. If you make generosity the top priority, generosity is not about you. Generosity is all about the you besides you. Generosity, when I give, I am not serving me. I'm serving someone else besides me. So Jesus said, if you want to keep your focus on something that's going to last forever, on your purpose in this world, and on the people that matter so much to me, on the people who are going to live forever, he says, then you have to start with your money by practicing generosity. You should take the first part of everything you make, and you should make it not about you, but about the you beside you. And when you use your money that way, when you practice generosity that way, when you invest that way, it keeps your focus out there and not on yourself. And it ramps up the confidence you have that your Heavenly Father is with you and will meet all of your needs. This is the point he was trying to make, plain and simple. That you just got to figure out how to use your money in a way to keep your focus out there. And how to dial down what's uncertain. How to dial down the worry in your life. Now, This is much harder to do than it is to talk about, isn't it? It's much harder to do. As a matter of fact, and for those of us who are Christians, and you're not a Christian, this seem, is going to sound so irrational to you. And if you accuse us of being hypocritical, we would have to admit we, were, we are when it comes to this. This is just so irrational, but as Christians we do it, and I'll just be honest about it. We have a Father in heaven who invites us to do this and tells us to do this, and yet for most of us who follow Jesus, we simply do not practice this. We are not willing to make generosity the top priority with our finances. And the reason we're not, it's not that we don't want to be generous, we just want to take care of us first, and then we'll give a little bit if we have some or if we can. Matter of fact, the, the vast majority of Christians I know, and that includes people in this church, the, the majority of people, don't make generosity the top priority when it comes to the way they manage their money. And the reason is simply this, let's be honest. The reason is because I'm afraid if I focus on God's kingdom more than my kingdom, then I'll never get my kingdom. That's the fear. The fear is I'm afraid if I take my money and I first put it into God's kingdom before I put it into my own. If I first give it for the benefit of somebody else before I use it for the benefit of myself, that I'll never get what I want. I'm going to lose my kingdom in the process. And so that's why very few Christians actually practice this. And it's irrational. And the reason it's irrational is because we have a Father in heaven who loves us enough that he demonstrated it by sending his Son to die on a cross to offer forgiveness for, to us. We have a Father in heaven who sent his Son to communicate and to demonstrate to us what he's like, and then he gave his life so we could have a relationship with him. Like, we have a Father in heaven who John, John who got to spend three years with Jesus side by side, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. John described God this way. John said, God is love. Is love. No other God in human history had ever been described or thought of that way. 
John didn't say, well, God loves. No, John said the very essence and nature of who God is. I spent three years with Jesus. I'm telling you, I watched him, and here's the only way I know to describe Jesus. He is love. We follow a God who's described that way and who demonstrated or proved his love for us in giving his own life for us, and yet in spite of all of that, when it comes to our finances, the assumption we all make is he doesn't have my best interest at heart. It's irrational, but it's very real. It's irrational, but that is a fear we all grapple with. It is irrational, and yet at the same time we go, okay, okay, I know he died for me and all that, and I'm, I'm grateful for the forgiveness, but when it comes to this, I'm really afraid if I give first that I'm not going to be taken care of. I'm really afraid if I give first that none of my kingdom is going to come to pass. I'm really afraid if I give first God's trying to get something from me. He doesn't want anything for me. And the whole time Jesus is going, come on. What more do I have to do to prove to you that I am on your side and that you can trust me? What I want for you is a life free of worry. What I want for you is a faith that's built on such deep trust that you know I'm with you. You are confident I'm with you no matter what comes into your life. You don't think I'm going to take care of you? This was Jesus' whole point. You don't think I'm going to take care of you? Look, we're taking care of the birds in the air. We're taking care of the flowers in the field. Aren't you way more valuable than some birds? To me. This was the argument Jesus made. And yet, in spite of the fact it makes perfect sense, those of us who follow Jesus still go, yeah, but I'm not so sure. And we won't pull the trigger and practice this. And because of that, our lives are consumed with worry. And they're consumed with greed. And they're consumed with fear. And they're consumed with selfishness. And we miss the purpose that God has for us because we're always distracted from our purpose. And that's getting dialed down because I'm always focused on me and my kingdom. And we let worry, you know, lead our hearts back towards our kingdom and away from, you know, God's kingdom. And because of all of that, we get to the end of lives, our lives and we don't have anything to show for our lives but our lives. Or we've only scratched the surface of the difference God wants to make in our lives. Because we would never take the step to fully trust him. It's not even about the money. It's it's about what God wants to teach you through the way you manage your money. So, let me just sum it up this way. Worry is never a treasure issue. It's always a trust issue. So if you're worried financially, or if you're worried, well, I can't do what Jesus said there, and I can't be generous first because, 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 I'm just worried that. No, that's not really about the money. It's not really about the payments you've got to make. It's not really about the things you've got to, you know, try to acquire or achieve. No, it's not about any of that. that. That's just what we make it about. That's how we distract ourselves. It's really a trust issue. It's really us saying as Christians, as hypocritical as this is, we can just own it. We do it. It's really us saying as Christians, okay, I trust you with my eternity, but I just don't know if you're for me enough to trust you when it comes to these practical areas of my life. So, if you would like to figure out how to dial down the worry dial, how to turn that down, and turn up the purpose dial in your life, according to Jesus, you need to figure out how to practice generosity as the top priority in your financial world. So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to learn to trust God by testing God. What do I mean by testing God? Well, I just mean this. Think about it in any relationship you have. How do you learn to trust somebody? Will you give them trust and then you see if they prove to be trustworthy? This is how you trust anybody. I'm going to, I'm going to trust you and give you the opportunity to prove trustworthy or untrustworthy. If you prove untrustworthy, I'm not going to trust you again. 
If you prove trustworthy, then my trust in you is going to grow and deepen, and I'm going to have bigger trust in you, and so I'm going to trust you with a little more, and if you're trustworthy with that, I'm going to trust you again, and my trust in you is just going to keep growing and growing and growing. This is how it works relationally. Well, this is how it works with your Heavenly Father as well. The only way you will ever learn to trust God with your finances, with your worries, with all of that stuff that's so practical in your life, the only way you'll ever learn to trust God with all of that is to trust God with all of that and see if he is trustworthy. So here's what I want to invite you to do as a way to test God, if you will, and see if you can trust him. Just practice generosity for three months. Priority generosity, which means... Every time you get paid, you have pre-decided I'm going to take X amount of what I get paid and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give that away somewhere to something that will benefit someone other than myself. Just practice that kind of priority generosity for three months. The easiest way I know to do it, and a lot of you don't do this yet, so this is new and I get how hard it is, I really do. But the easiest way to do this is to pick a percentage. You say, well, how much should it be for it to be generous? I don't know. You figure that out. It should be enough that it makes you squirm a little bit. It should be enough it makes you a little uncomfortable. Make it enough that you're having to tell yourself no, because if you're not saying no to you because you're giving to somebody else, then, it, then your focus is still on you. So it's got to be enough that it kind of gets in there and makes you say no to you and makes you a little bit uncomfortable and, you know, a little bit antsy. It requires trust. So pick a percentage. You pick whatever percentage does that for you, okay? You can pray about it and ask God and try to figure it out. It's okay. I don't think he's going to be mad at you. Just pick a percentage. Can't get that wrong. But for the next three months, which means between now and the end of this year, you make a decision. Every time I get paid, every time money comes in my way, I'm going to take that percentage, and the first thing I'm going to do is give it away. I'm not waiting until I've done everything I need to do and make sure I've got some left over. That's not trust. Nope, I'm going to give it on the front end, and then I'm going to manage what I have left. And I'm just going to trust that God is going to take care of me because I'm doing what he's asking me to do. Now, again, you can figure out where you want to put that. For a lot of you, you love this church. God's used this church to make a difference in your life or in your family, with your parents, with your kids, whoever it is. So it may be that, like Jen and myself, you need to have an intentional plan to support this church. And you can do that. You can sign up for Automatically Generous. You can stop by the table up there across from the suite. They'll sign you up today. You can do whatever you want to do there. But you don't have to give it here. If you think this is all about getting it here, just go pick somewhere else to give it. I don't care where you give it. You can pick a nonprofit. You can pick some you know, cause that you believe in deeply. Just find something. Just find something or someone that's trying to bring God's kingdom to earth. In other words, they're trying to solve a problem. That is not the way God wants things to be in this world, and they're trying to make it the way God wants it to be, so I'm going to take my money and I'm going to support that. You just figure out what that is for you. Pick it. Maybe a couple different things. You may send it two or three different places. That's all right. You can do whatever you want to do there. But would you just practice generosity for three months and see if God can be trusted when it comes to this? If you don't, you're never going to learn to trust God with this stuff. There's no way to learn on the front end that God is trustworthy and now, okay, well, I feel comfortable doing this. It, it goes the other way. And if you will practice generosity for three months, let me tell you what's going to happen. Your worry when you begin this is actually going to go up considerably. You're going to be real nervous until you see 
what God does. And then suddenly you're going to notice your worry starts going way down. Because you're seeing God at work in your lives in a way that you've never seen before. I was talking to uh, one of our staff this week. And by the way, you should know, uh, the staff here, they are some of the most generous people in this entire church. Year in and year out. They're incredibly generous. And, you know, they're not making what they could be making out in the corporate world. But they're still incredibly generous and they lead the way in generosity here. I was talking to one of them about this generosity piece this week. And she said to me, she said, you know, I've got friends who've never practiced this, and I just don't know how to explain it to them. She said, there's no way to help them understand they really don't have to worry unless they just get in there and trust God and learn they don't have to worry. I said, I know. And I said, the irony of it is, they're living on way more than you're living on, but you're way more satisfied and happy and at peace than they are. And she said, oh, absolutely. But there's no way for me to convince you of this. You've just got to try it for yourself. And if you will, you're going to experience something very different than what you're experiencing right now. Here are the two sides of it. Worry leads your heart towards your kingdom and away from God's kingdom. Generosity leads your heart towards God's kingdom and away from your kingdom. And the closer you get to God and his purposes in this world, the more your peace goes up and your anxiety goes down. The less you worry, the more you trust. The more you have a sense of meaning and purpose and fulfillment and significance in life. The more you know you're making a contribution in the world. And the easier it is to keep your focus on the you beside you, not on you. I'll tell you, the reason I know this is because for our entire lives, and now for the last 13 years for Jen and I here at this church, this is what we've done. We get a lot of things wrong, but this is one of the things that fortunately we were taught to do early on. And so for 13 years, we've had an intentional plan to prioritize generosity in our family. We've done it from the day this place started to now, and because this place matters to us, we've invested a whole lot of our money here. As a matter of fact, the reason that what we do here at this church matters so much to us largely is because of how much money we've invested here because where your money goes your heart follows so our hearts couldn't help but be right in the middle of all this because we have invested more in this than we have sitting in retirement we have invested more in this church financially than we paid for our house i'm telling you we this has been the biggest investment financially we have made right here and you could ask her you could ask me and i would say we would not trade a penny of that money we have invested for anything because the return has been extraordinary. The return has been purpose and peace. The return has been less worry. The return has been significance and fulfillment and meaning. The return has been bigger faith. Bigger faith. It's the only way you learn it. So, I want that for you. That's why I'm inviting you to do this. I don't want you to spend your whole life worrying about stuff that's uncertain. But more importantly, God wants this for you. He wants you to learn how to live a life where you can say, I do what Jesus said, I just don't worry. Why don't you worry? Because I'm confident God is with me and my focus is where it ought to be. I don't worry because I have learned to trust him by taking the most tangible things I have and not building my life on those, but using those for a purpose bigger than myself. And if you will practice generosity, I'm telling you, it will teach you that even when life is uncertain, God is not. This is how you learn God still has your whole world in his hands. 
So will you test him to see if you can trust him? For the next three months, pick a percentage, make it a priority, and wherever you want to give it, give it, but practice generosity first and see what God does with you. Let me pray for you. Father, would you help us to figure out how to overcome the rational fears that we have? We know you're for us, and yet we're scared to death you're not for us when it comes to this. Help us to figure out what to do with this. And would you give those who've never taken this step the courage for the next three months just to try it, to see how you may show up in their life, to see whether you really are trustworthy, whether you really do keep your promise. And what I know is it will shift their hearts from their kingdom to yours. And life will be the kind of life that you created them to live at that point. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.